Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. So there's a lot of people worried about the inter-county season, um, lads, based on the fact that Leash, Offaly and Kildare are locked down and what's going to happen in a situation for county football. But John Fogarty had a piece in the Examiner during the week and he kind of lays those worries to rest a little bit, bit because Neffet have said that in the case of the inter-county season um, being played, Leash, Leash have to take on Dublin in the first round of the hurling. Offaly take on Carlow in the first round of football. Those games will go ahead. So county teams will be able to travel outside their counties. I presume elite sport um, would be the reasoning um, for that. And they'll be able to play full contact. So, like, I mean, there's no worries on local lockdowns in a case of the inter-county season um, going ahead. So that's a nice kind of thing to hear, Conan, because straight away I'm thinking you can't go outside your county. The inter-county season is completely screwed, but it's not. And that's it. Like when Michal Martin talked about elite sport, like the first thing I thought of was inter-county GAA. Like that's that's, that's the top level sport yeah. in, in Ireland. It's the biggest sport. So um, yeah, it would definitely be catered for. And I know it would be frustrating, like still even at that stage we'll have probably no fans, especially for those games because of the travel restrictions remain or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's still worth it. Like, you know, how like, you look at the Premier League, like, it was just good having the Champions League now as well. It's good having football. Like, when you have the choice of not having it or having it with no fans, then you're always going to take the, the ladder, I think. 
Well, that's the thing, yeah. It needs to be said, I didn't mention that those games will be behind closed doors in, in that uh, case. It's just the big worry, obviously, would be if Dublin went into lockdown and, well, we don't know what the restrictions on the crowds are anyways, you know, so, you know, we can't really talk about that um, yet. But, like, I mean, I suppose the talk is that the, the inter-county season will go ahead. I wanted to go ahead even if there's... A, a, a small percentage of games behind closed doors. That's okay um, with me. The pitches in Leash, Offaly and Kildare at least have reopened. So the GA shut everything down and then um, had a the GA's COVID advisory group um, met with representatives from the three counties um, that we're talking about and they've decided that the, they've gone back a phase. So the pitches can open and training can resume in a non-contact basis with a minimum of 15 people, um, uh, while indoor meetings should involve no more than six people for more than three households. So that's good news for people in Leash, Offaly, Kildare, at least. We know the cases in Leash are dropping. No new cases again yesterday, which is crazy. Leash GA Chairman Peter O'Neill has been asking the GA to lobby uh, the government. And this... Peter O'Neill and myself wouldn't exactly be buzzing buddies, but the, the, the last couple of things I've heard from Peter O'Neill have definitely made a lot of sense. So he's going to he's been asking the GEA to lobby the government to get the lockdown period reduced from 16 to 14 days. And that would make that instead of least GEA losing three weekends, they lose two weekends. Now, that makes perfect sense to me. Like, I mean, the, the leash cases in the last five days, Connor, have been 1, 12, 0, 1 and 0. You know, like, I mean, leash peaked. Leash cases peaked on August the 2nd, and there's been a constant kind of drop in them um, since then. Maybe one day spiked up again, but dropped again. Like, I mean, there is no reason. I, I would I would get rid of the leash lockdown now because we're, no, but we're behind Kildare and Offaly. We're not as severe as Leash and Offaly. We've just been bundled in with them and we're coming out. And it has to be said, due to brilliant work by the contact tracers and and the testers, that leash leashes have been, leashes is under control if if I had my way next weekend, we'd be given the green light. But Peter O'Neill is asking for at least some sort of compromise, not even to give us this weekend coming, but don't ruin the following weekend again on again on leash. Yeah, by the time that following weekend comes around, I suppose you'll have a lot more data. Uh, you, you mentioned there the last five days, Willie. So by the time next weekend arrives, you'll have over 10 days data to, to support that. And you're only talking about two days as well, especially when you consider that the lockdown was brought in on a Friday. Um, so that that immediately affected games in, in the you know the Friday Saturday Sunday of that weekend. So hopefully by next week, um, the GA you know at least GA be in a position to to stage stage games that weekend because the championship will be in danger of getting away from you then if you, if you're missing three weekends in a row. Yeah, but well, uh, well, well, that's the thing because now they're inquiring with Croke Park about whether they can actually forfeit their last two league games. I I think this is a complete no non runner. As far as I'm concerned, like Leash are both in the promotion hunt and the relegation hunt. There is no possible way this is a runner as far as I'm concerned, Connor. Like, I mean, I don't see how Croke Park can say, yeah, just work away with your club games those weekends. Let's just ruin our whole Division 2 of the National League. Um, you know, and Leash could potentially be relegated on the back of not fulfilling those two games. Yeah, it's it's just weird though. For for me, like I know we talked there about you talked there about like the intercounty game coming back, and it's great that it is coming back. To me, it just seems so far away at the moment. You know, like I know it's only like it's going to resume early October, but but given how things how quickly things have changed in the last few weeks, particularly, it's it's just it's hard to even envisage. You know, it's hard to be nearly preparing for for intercounty games when it's it's subject to so much change in, in the time since. I mean, if you were to be told three weeks ago that Leash, Kildare, and Offaly would be locked down, 
you know, it's just that the, these things develop so quickly and then you're getting into winter season and all this sort of stuff. But 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 you're right in terms of like on the face of it, that that like that like if, if those games are to be cancelled and, and Leash have as much Leash have as much, if not more, to play for than anybody in the entire league. So if their games are under threat, that's the entire league under threat. So Well, yeah, they're not the, the thing about it is, Conan, is that they're not under threat. They're actually Leash are asking to not fulfil yeah. them. You know, this is the, it's not that they're under threat, they will be allowed to play them. Like there's no restrictions on them being played. It's just Leash are actually asking. I I think like Niall Handy said, um, who's the Leash secretary, he said um we're possibly looking at withdrawing for the league, or at least see what the consequences there would be were we to do that. It would give us an extra two weekends. I ju- I just think he's just throwing that out there like that. This is a non-runner as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and there's actually there's there's two problems with it because like a it, it like disrupts the integrity of the league. Like you know, does Division One and Division Three you now also have to be impacted by that? Because if there's no relegation from Division Two, or maybe at least just go straight down. But on top of that, like regardless of relegation, if they if they end up getting relegated, I'm sure Mike Cork would prefer two games, even if they lost both of them and got relegated before the championship. You know, they would rather those two league games rather than going into a championship. And Leash, I'm right right in thinking they play Lover Longford in the first round. Who play each other the week before that as well so they'd actually be going into a championship match with Lauver Longford who've had three competitive games under their belts it's just a it's not a good position to be in from a leash point of view yeah no it definitely isn't so missing the last two games like you say will be a huge blow to manager Mike Quirk and he actually joins us on the line now Mike how's it going good Colin how are you not too bad not too bad clear that would be a bit of a, a a drastic action to take not fulfilling the league games it would, yeah, and I, I think to be fair to Niall and, and and the county board, they're just trying to get they're just trying to get every kind of option on the table really to to enable them to make a plan for the clubs and and to see exactly where they're going. So, I mean, we we've made the point that obviously we're we're, we're very much opposed to voluntarily, you know, making ourselves uh, uh, relegated in Division Three, and that's not on the that's not on the cards. It's really just. I suppose the fact-finding thing for themselves to see what options they have because losing three weekends in, in such a tight window is obviously making their job very, very difficult. Yeah, no, it definitely is. But like I suppose th- those two last ga- last league games are massively important to Leash because Leash are straight into a quarter-final and Louder Longford, who we play, will have a game the week before that game. So they're absolutely vital from a preparation point of view. Oh, they are. And I mean, look, they're vital from, you know, we're still we're still under the impression that, you know, if we win two games, that, that we're going to be within the mix of, of possibly getting up to up to Division 1. And, and look, and I know you could lose two games, you could also be in the mix to go down. And, and that's yeah. the kind of the way that league has been. And it's been a fantastic and exciting competition for us. And, and the players have really, really enjoyed it. And we just we just want the opportunity to, even if it is going to be, which it is now, it's going to be a very, very limited preparation for us. And, and we're not going to have anywhere near the kind of time that we'd like to have to, to really give a great account of ourselves. But whatever it is, we just want the opportunity to get those games played and, and to really see where we go after after those two, which, you know, for what the players have put into it, it's something that they definitely deserve, you know? Yeah, no. De- so what are you doing at the moment? You're just getting to as many club games. I know there isn't any now for the next two weeks, but you're going to try, yeah. you're just going to have to judge lads on club form. We were talking about the club games only sixty minutes. You know, a county player could be marking a, a, a maybe limited club player. It's not it's not the easiest thing to get a, a handle on their form. No, it's not. But it's the only it's the only barometer we have. I mean, we haven't seen guys now since you know what you're going to be talking five five months or whatever. By the time we're we're back playing ball and you. You just you have to you have to give guys the incentive of of saying if if this is somebody who hasn't really been in our in our 
our group before now and, and they really put up their hand with a big, big performance and, and they back it up a couple of weeks in a row, then it'd be very unfair not to take a look at that guy, you know? And, yeah. and obviously you've got your, your, your bankers, the guys that you know, regardless, even if they, if they haven't a great club championship, you know they're the guys that you're going to be having with you. But then there's certainly a lot of floaters in that as well that, that you want to give the opportunity to other guys to, to come into the group, you know? And I look, I, I think the way fellas have been, you know, through the whole lockdown and everything, they're bursting to, to perform and to play well with their club and, and to give a massive account to themselves because sure, all of us are only frustrated with the whole thing and, and we want some outlet to, to be able to go perform. And, and I think you would see the standard of the clubs would be even even better now because of, of guys with that kind of hunger and, and availability, I suppose, to the clubs. So what are you doing to get to club games? Like, I mean, you're down in Kerry and they're on Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Are you staying up the weekend or are you sending your management team to different games? No, well, like, I suppose the first weekend was just the one that just we got scuppered. But, um, you know, we don't want Kearns was, was going to the game on Thursday and I watched it on the stream. And I was coming up on Saturday. I was doing a session in the Harps, actually, for, for a couple of coaches from, from different clubs in that area to come over. And we were doing an hour or so a session there with their, with their team. And then I was going to the double header on, on Saturday night and staying up to, to watch the games again on Sunday. And then, obviously, on, on Friday, the whole thing got uh, went a little bit sideways on us and I got locked down and, and the football went out the window. So that was the first real opportunity we had to get up and, and, and watch some meaningful kind of club championship action. And, and it was kind of taken away before we knew it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I was reading that, actually, that you're going up to the different clubs and coaching the coaches. So this is an interesting one and it's a very good idea. Like, I mean, obviously, you can't get your hands on inter-county players but at the same time, you could maybe give some ideas to their coaches, like not try to take over, you know, and potentially maybe get some information to them that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, to be fair, it was something that we had kind of spoken about long before any pandemic came on the on the scene. And once the league was over, we had a kind of a schedule where we wanted to do some work with, with the club coaches. And again, not in a way to dictate to them or, or to whatever, but just to provide some information and, and to see if guys would, would come in and, and pick it up and, and then bring it down to the clubs. And, and I, the idea is just that you're broadening the, I suppose, the base of talent that you have, really. And if guys are all, you know, at club level doing, you know, your best case your best case work in terms of game-based. And, and then Tom Hargrove's obviously coming in then as well with the with the, the physical side of things and really giving a good good steer in, in terms of how you get guys fit and the best way to do that in terms of strength training and all that. And, um, and look, like, why not make that information available to all the clubs as opposed to just keeping it for the for the senior and the county team? The more the more guys that have that kind of information, they're hoping longer term, the the, the better the standard of players that are going to become available to you. Yeah, that's ta- that's a that's a great idea. How has it been received by the clubs that you visit? I presume to be del- they're delighted with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we we did the we did a workshop above No More Park, and and um, yeah, it was good. You know, there, there was there was a lot of phone calls after and guys asking about this and that and. Um, and I, like I, I just think it, it makes sense. I, I think if you're going in anywhere, and and you want to you want to improve the standard, you're not going to do that through one team, through one senior team. And and the broader you can you can make the net, the, the better chance you have of catching a couple of fish. And, and again, you know, Tom, I think you know we've got a we've got a really good crew, and and I think to have those guys available to to help out the clubs, even if it's just over the phone and somebody's asking about a game or a drill or a or a running session or whatever it is, and, and you can give them a, a bit of a steer, then sure, look, it only it only makes sense really, you know? That is a big worry for inter-county managers all over the country, is that a player might be from no disrespect to an intermediate or a junior A club, or, you know, even junior B, if that happens um, a little bit less, but they go back to a pretty kind of amateur setup and you can't get your hands on them. 
Yeah, that's and that's an issue. And I suppose in some counties, you you've had a situation where, you know, maybe the guys have been have been forced to train with a county team, and the clubs wouldn't have access to them. And, and we didn't want to go down that line. We wanted to go the other way and try and try and support the clubs and improve the clubs and help out where we could there. And and still, our guys have the have the GPS units on them, and they get their report. And they, you know, and and Tom gives us a gives us all a briefing of what fellas are doing, and some guys are giving a nudge to maybe do a little bit more high-speed stuff and some guys are told to maybe pull back a small little bit and, and they're able to, you know, we're able to kind of keep a handle on, on them at least physically in in, uh, in that sense using the technology and stuff, which is great and it's been a huge resource and uh, and Tom, again, Tom Hargrove has been massive in that regard. But uh, in general, like, I, I still think if you can if you can have a little bit of trust in the clubs and you can help them out and, and, and help them deliver the kind of best practice and, and obviously it's only going to help them in, in their ambitions to win a club championship or whatever it is or compete in a club championship and then you're obviously benefiting your own players and other guys maybe that, that haven't even been involved with you. Yeah, you you mentioned some counties that might be training already. Like, I mean, I was I I have it on good word Donegal or training, but I don't want, I don't want you to comment. You don't have to comment on that, but I do think that like I wouldn't have much of a problem with county teams getting the players for one night a week and they're they're with their clubs every other night. You know, they're focused at the clubs, but just to keep them in a group together, like you know, September the fourteenth. When some players have been knocked out of the championship, I don't know. Intercounty has been painted as the enemy, where they could work together. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I, and and I like. I think there would be no problem with with uh, guys training with the intercounty team one night a week on a Tuesday and going with their club on a Thursday and playing their club game on the, on the weekend. But but if that would be the case, then that would be across the board, and every single county knows that that's the case, and that's the story in every county. Whereas at the moment, you've got you've got. Well, I'm not sure what it is at the moment. I'm not sure if you're, you're talking about Donegal. I, I I don't know. I, I know for a fact I'm down here in Kerry, and I know they're not doing anything. And um, but if you have if you have a situation where some counties are doing that and they're getting a, a head start on other people who are not doing it, then that's when you run into problems. And and like again, I I would love that scenario that you you know you highlighted maybe. A Tuesday with the county and and the rest with the club. That'd be that'd be super for everybody. But the problem is that's that's just not the way it's being done, and and it's a little bit uneven. Then obviously when you come to play, yeah. Because especially for you, like I mean, your first year as an intercounty manager, it's been a disastrous year really. Because you get off to such a good start in the league, um, you know, did a lot. Of, you, I'm sure you would a lot of, did a lot of physical work before the league. Like I mean, and with a plan after the league to get some kind of maybe tactical work or whatever. I'm thinking of poor Desi Farrell who only got the job at the end of November. Do you know what I mean? It's it's for for, yeah. for managers in their first year, it's a complete disaster. It's been a great choice of mine, yeah, to start off <laughs> during the pandemic. Yeah, really, really, really picked a good one. Yeah, I uh, know. Sure, it's been it's been bonkers. Yeah, it's been crazy and. Like the only the only kind of solace I can take from the whole thing is that you know no matter how experienced or inexperienced you are, no nobody has gone through this kind of a scenario before. So yeah. everybody is is learning on the fly, even the most experienced of managers, I suppose. But uh, and like everybody else, then come you know the technology has been a, has been a great help. And sure, like nobody knew Zoom existed like three months ago or four months ago, and and now now we're able to you know, even planning forward, you're kind of saying, well, we can, we can knock real value out of this moving forward where, where we're alleviating time pressures off guys here to do video sessions or to do meetings instead of bringing them in for another night. Let's just 
Let's have a 20 minutes on Zoom here and, and knock out whatever we need to do and get it done and do our video session on this. And, and guys can be at home and, you know, drinking a cup of tea and, you know, in their sitting room as opposed to having to put on their gear and get in the car and come down. To, you know, it's all, all those kind of things. I think down the line we'll see a benefit from the, the, the time and intensity that it takes to play at that level. And, and, and sure, look, for me and for everybody else, like it's, it's just a matter of you got to adapt and, and adjust it as quickly as you can. And, and luckily we've been we've made some job of it, I suppose. Yeah, there's nothing more demoralising after a Tuesday night training session to get word during the session that there's a video session on after after it or something like that. You realise it won't be home till twelve o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is though. I don't like. I, I mean, but that's that's that is funny. And we used to do the same thing. I, like you'd cringe, like because you used to go in and, and know that there was. And and back in the day, sure, it used to be like you put in a, a, a tape, like and and you'd be. Really, I, I spoke to my own, my own, you know, small circle of friends. I suppose about it really, and and uh, 
and sought their counsel. But then, you know, I, I just I, I figured it wasn't going to be an opportunity that was was going to come around very often, possibly to, to manage it into a senior into county level. And and the fact that it was outside the county probably was was attractive to me as well. It was something that you were really going outside your comfort zone. And um, you know, I can remember what, the first day I went up and I met you know. Brian Breen and you know he was he was leading me around the place and 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 telling me to showing me the people that I needed to know and, and different things and so I went into a situation where I was meeting about sixty people and I never met any of them before in my life and, and never spoke to any of them so you're trying to you know you're starting off at, at ground zero there trying to develop relationships with people and learn people's names and and, and then you that's even before you start figuring out who players are and what's going on so it was just a complete you know jumping into the deep end and. Uh, but it was it was exciting, you know. I think the way the way the national league is and the way the, everything is structured there to start the year is just frantic, and it's you know it's it's brilliant. And 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 luckily we had a you know we had a pretty decent start to things, and and once you do that, it makes things a little bit easier for you. Yeah, well, it's, I suppose you did pick your your backroom team pretty well. Owen Cairns, who was there before and would have known the players, Morris Brown would know the club scene and leash very well, and Morris Horn, who would have had intercounty experience. <laughs> like, I mean, you you, you did well yeah. on your backroom team, and obviously your strength and conditioning uh, coach as well. Uh, his name is uh, his Tom, name is yeah. oh Tom, yeah, Tom. Tom you just Hargroves. mentioned him. Tom Hargroves, yeah. So, like, I mean, you did well picking the management team. Yeah, and, and again, I mean the boys were the boys were fantastic. Like Owen was obviously involved with um, involved with John Shook over the previous couple of years, and again loves loves that hand you know hands on coaching stuff. Morris Brown would have managed collection to the county final the previous year, and, and a Kerry guy I would have I would have known him years and years ago. He was involved. He was probably in the IT when you were there. Actually, he was he was a good football officer in, in the college for a year or so back in back in the early two thousands. Morris Brown was, you know. All right. Um, but he's been up there for he's been up there now, obviously for for a long time, and they have a good handle. And again, Mar- you know, Morris Horn's experience was was crucial. Like, and then finding Tom Hargroves was just like he was he was the 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 you know the the fifty euros in your pocket that you know you put that pants in the, in the in the press, you take it out, you didn't realize it was there. He was he was a gift, you know, to find Tom because Tom Tom was obviously coming from a professional background, and 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 everything he's done has been of a of a really really professional standard, and and he's been a great guy to to learn from and and to be challenged by, and uh, you know, it's just a it's a great setup, and I think I think look, you know, the, the crucial thing is from the players' point of view. Like I think the training is is uh, you know is pretty is pretty good for those guys and it's challenging for those and it's enjoyable and it's all based on the concept of the game. It's nothing, you know, we're not killing fellas running or doing anything like that. Everything is is about improving them as decision makers and as footballers. And I think if you do that, you can you know you can you can go as far as you can. Yeah. Really. Exactly. When the draw was made, um, I thought the draw wasn't kind to either Loud, Longford, or Leash because Dubs. Um, coming up next but now I suppose with the pandemic it won't be in Croke Park in a full Croke Park with the hills singing their name it'll be in, probably in a neutral venue with feck all dubs in it and now I'm daring to dream potentially if we can get over that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, it, and it'll also be in, in October or the start of November which, yeah and a mucky uh, day a mucky day all yeah, the mucky yeah. day yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know yeah we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll stick with we'll stick with West Meath and Fermanagh for now and hopefully we can you know, hopefully if we can get over those ones, and then uh, ah, look, it's exciting, man. I, 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 we said this. I remember having this conversation with John O'Loughlin about a month ago, and, and we were just talking about how how exciting it would be to, you know, first of all, if you're lucky enough to to win that first game and, and to face Dublin, I and mean, even if you don't, if you're playing Langford Lows and you could be above in Croke Park under lights on a Saturday evening, you know, it's not something that we're going to probably see again in in our lifetime where. Well, we're playing championship at this time of year 
uh, in these kind of situations under under the constraints that we've been under. So, it, you know, it's a kind of a once in a lifetime experience and, and something that I think if we can embrace it and, and uh, you know, do as much as we can in the short window that we have, you know, sure it's going to be something we'll, we'll always remember. Yeah, no, it definitely will. Mike, thanks very much for taking the call and best of luck for the rest of the year. No problem, Con. Thanks. All right, great stuff from uh, Mike there. So we mentioned St. Loman's manager couldn't travel last weekend, weekend and the county board um, have told the clubs that managers and coaches living in the lockdown counties should take personal responsibility and not attend games in Westmead in the coming weeks. So that, that's a straight directive, even though the Lomans manager did take personal responsibility before that. Interesting to see what happens this week, uh, Conan, in the Dublin Club Championship. Anthony Rainbow, Kildare native, um, and Bally Bowden manager. Now they're playing Whitehall Column Kills. So I'd say Anthony Rainbow can sit up, put his feet up, and you know have a couple of beers, whatever night that is, and he'll be okay. The Thomas Davis manager, interestingly, is from Kildare as well, and his son plays for Thomas Davis. Again, they could both have a couple of cans at home in front of the television because they're playing Ballymun Kickham. So it'll be interesting to see. Where, it'll be interesting to see whether these lads go to it or not. It's not a bad weekend for either manager to to not have to go. Yeah, Anthony Rainbow's in a position where it's like Dublin playing the O'Byrne Cup. You can send a, a second coach out to look after the, yeah. look after the team. Um, they're going to win anyway. He's <laughs> going to come back and bite me. But um, Thomas Davis, like, I feel I feel a bit sorry for them because like they, they have a must-win match as well against Ballymun and it's on TV. And, you know, it's like, like they got to the final last year. They beat some big guns along the way. I know they haven't been going as well this year, but if they get their act together and they win, they, they can go through to the quarterfinals. So, the fact that they're down men, they're down their manager is it's a it's a tough one, and but maybe that's just part of what the season is. Like we we talked about about it a couple of months ago when we were sort of thinking, ah, oh, what's the point in playing playing this season? Because like there's going to be a club that gets infected by it, and there's going to be something that comes up, and now we have this case where three counties are infected by it, and uh, yeah, like maybe it just has to go on without them, and that and that's part of it. Like you know, if, if if you can accept that there's a risk, then you just carry on while you can. I, I think. Yeah, like, I mean, it's going to be very interesting if any of these club managers, as they're crossing the border and they get stopped at the checkpoint, because you are allowed travel outside the county for work. So will they show the receipts of the payments they're receiving from these clubs <laughs> as as proof to the police that this is I'm traveling to my second job? And they will get through they will get through the checkpoint if they can prove that they're being paid. But how many of them will want to go down that road? Do those receipts exist, Willie? Do they or <laughs> <laughs> you could just show the brown envelope then maybe once he's put under his mattress? <laughs> what if you travel? What if the manager to be an interesting situation if the manager worked in Dublin? during the day and he had to travel to Dublin to work and he's like well I'm in Dublin anyway I'll just go to the game would that be considered ah, well, then, sure, then he's co- well then he's completely covered right sure, like, yeah. I mean, just hang around after work and, and go to the match or whatever say you get covered if you can prove you work in Dublin maybe yeah that's that's probably one way out of it whether it's a Saturday night job at 7 o'clock you know yeah. you wouldn't be leaving work it's, it's hard to know but it is going to be interesting like this weekend is easy I'm sure there's lots lots of other managers but just from the ones we pointed out this is not a big weekend for them to probably take a risk. Um, it's not like Bally Bowden are playing in a county final or anything where they would actually need their manager. Like I mentioned at the start of the show, Crat Lower and Bother Lads, they've had six positive cases. So they've uh, had to pull out of their second round hurling match against A Rogue. Um, that was last Sunday. And 
the I think it's six, yeah, six players. So a lot of the clubs, um, a lot of the clubs have backed Kratlow, saying it could be any of them that would be in the same boat. Um, on the back of the Kratlow positives, eighteen Clonagad footballers who play Kratlow in a Junior A Championship have gone into self isolation as have all the Kratlow players, which means both clubs won't be able to resume any activity until the 22nd, 23rd of August. That's pushing that back a lot. That's the most cases now, Conan, I've seen in the one club outside, maybe even in the Derry ones, I don't think there was more than six positives in each club, was there? No, and a lot, a lot of those were just sort of people preempting that there might be, they were going into self-isolation and then yeah. that there was either one or none in a lot of cases. But um. That Kratlow one's scary because, yeah, one one player had it and then somewhere along the way, five further players picked up the virus. And I know we, we chatted to Stevie from Kalevi and he was like, you know, saying it was a car journey where three of them picked it up. And that was a bit more comforting knowing that, you know, that that's exactly where it came from. And we've been we've been very, like, encouraged by the stats from outdoor activity. There's not really much passing along, but yeah. I just, I would like to know, I'd be interested to know where those five further ones are coming from, because, like, yeah, you're right, it could be any other club, and I think everybody be looking at that with a bit of fear. Yeah, so the Clare Championship now is going to be definitely put back a couple of weeks until all that gets sorted out. Um, in, in Longford, there's a bit of a controversy here. So, like, I mean, this seems unbelievably um, strict, as far as I'm concerned, it's a crazy, it's a 48-week ban for the county champions, Killow Young Emmets. This is Mickey Quinn's uh, club, Sean McCorm- McCormack as well. Um, they didn't pay a fine of €750, Euros, so they didn't feel the team in an under-16 uh, match. Um, I think it was last uh, January, and they had reasons not to field um, the, the team, and they ca- contacted the county board uh, before the game saying that they wouldn't be fulfilling the fixture because of an outstanding issue and that hadn't been dealt with. So the date of the penalty to be paid was 31st of July. But Kalo appealed, they appealed that fine of €750 Euros to the Leinster GA Hearings Committee, but the hearing never took place because of the coronavirus restrictions. So the county board, when the 31st of July, even though it was being appealed, when the 31st of July came, they banned the club for 48 weeks, the county champions. Like, I mean, this seems absolutely crazy, especially when it's it's already been appealed to the Leinster GA Hearings Committee. I can't see this. I can't. Killow are actually uh, supposed to be playing next Friday night. Um, you know, I can't see this ban being upheld, at least until that hearing has been heard, Conan. Like, I mean, it doesn't make any sense, really. And number two, you know, 48-week ban over not paying 750 quid. Holy shit. Yeah, for a whole club as well, from an under-16 game. Like, it's uh, it's very harsh. And uh, when I read this, like, without knowing the full facts, but, like, it, it seems very, very harsh. And I got a bit annoyed at it. Like, because you've spoken a lot about, like, sometimes there's amateurism in a lot of county boards. And, like, I've had experience myself as an underage coach where you, you don't get what you want from the county board. Like, you know, where the rules have been completely broken. And they're happy enough to just sort of let it go. And then you have to go to the Ulster Council and then things suddenly get overturned because it's, it's that black and white sometimes. Like, you know, sometimes it's just looking at the rule book and, and seeing what it is. So I think I think it's madness, like, you know, what can happen and how unjust some clubs can be treated. And it's 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 good to see that they, they're heading down the road down to the Leinster Council to try and get things sorted. And this this seems like, yeah, they really have jumped the gun in Longford. Yeah. And the stupidity of the county board, uh, Connor. like, I mean, we're in a situation where we've a very, very limited time frame to play off this championship, right? This, mm. this is under appeal with the Leinster uh, GEA. 
don't jump the gun. Let your bloody championship get played out. Now, Kilo might not be able to play next Friday night. The championship's all going to get put back because they have the right to an appeal. And your whole championship is made of balls of it. Instead of just letting due process take its place, wait for the Leinster Hearings Committee as ruling on it. And when you get your ruling on it, you can either let them, you know, let them off or ban them for the 48 weeks then. Yeah, absolutely. Were they very quick to impose the 48-week ban after the date of appeal? Do you know what I mean? It'd be one thing imposing this ban if... Uh, if uh, Kilo had lost the appeal, you know, and, and then they said they'd, they'd impose the 40 week ban. But it just looks it looks absolutely terrible. Like, you know, when I saw a 48 week ban, especially, you know, 40 week, 48 week bans for an entire club aren't in, aren't imposed for nothing. Like, you know, they're usually very serious issues. And it seems here just from doing a bit of background and, and like, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it seems that like Kilo have a very strong stance about their reason for not paying that fine in the first place. You know what I mean? It's not over a trivial issue. So just yeah. at the moment, with like in terms of like, holding up the entire championship, you know, over something like this at this time, like with everything else that's going on, do you know what I mean? It just yeah. seems absolutely ridiculous. And it's good to hear that, like, I just heard the uh, Kilo chairman was saying that they've had loads of support from other clubs in Longford. So that, uh, the support that they have from within their own county and them taking the, the case to the Leinster Council as well, looks like it'll, you know, it'll have a positive impact at least for the time being I kept the championship isn't going to be held up over or if there is everyone will be up in arms rightfully so yeah no I completely agree I have a kind of a picture in my head of the type of people who have decided that this 48 yeah. week ban was a good idea like I seriously <laughs> have it like it might be right or it might be wrong but in my experience of being immersed in GA all my life I would say I know exactly the type of people we're yeah. dealing with here. Like, that's, that's why I was getting annoyed reading the story because I, I can just picture I can picture them. <laughs> I, I can just picture them not having any like in, entertaining any of what they're saying as well. Like you know they just don't want to listen. And forty eight weeks is like equivalent to what you get for hitting a referee. You know, yeah, for yeah. a whole club they get that is crazy. Yeah, over some money, over a, over some money. It must have been a contentious reason they had for not pulling out of that or for pulling out of the under sixteen um, game anyway. Come here, Conal McCann has been on. All, all the all the media, he must have done some sort of a Zoom call or something because his quotes are everywhere. And one thing that I can't really understand is he says, he says, I know that some county teams are training at the moment. It needs to be a level playing field. Some teams are training away. I know that for a fact and we're not do and we're not doing anything. It should it should give them an advantage. I think there was supposed to be a sanction for counties that trained, but it doesn't seem to matter. What can you do? Now, this is something I can't really understand. We know James McCartan had hinted at it um, last weekend. Now, James McCartan is an ex-inter-county um, manager. Um, I think he might be over the minors or something and down. I'm not too sure. But Conan McCann is a current Tyrone player. His rivals are training. His rivals are trying to get, get an advantage on Tyrone to beat them in the championship. And Conal McCann won't say who they are. He's covering for them. Now, I don't know, Conan. Can, can you get your head around that? I would be I would be singing from the rooftops. Of, of <laughs> I seriously would be. These are your rivals. You don't like these people. Well, you don't like them on the field anyways. So why not say it? Like, I mean, like, I, I've, I've had a good word that Donegal are training once a week. Like, I mean, I've no problem saying that. And, I, and another thing is I've been definitely sure on the podcast about saying I wouldn't even have too much of a problem with the county team training once a week as long as you know yeah. the, the focus was on the club but a get together once a week I'm not necessarily criticising Donegal here or anything I'm just saying they are doing it they are they are yeah. supposed to be doing it but why why is there this big secrecy around around the whole thing well I can sort of understand where McCann's coming from because like you like I've heard about another county and I don't want to say because I haven't been able to back it up myself do you know what I've heard it from a good source but 
you know, it's second hand. So maybe McCann's is the same thing, whereas he trusts the source. Oh, he said he knows for a fact. This is why I'm criticizing McCann. Then that then that is that that is different. But what like what I want to know here, I can still understand why like a current player doesn't want to come out because you can you can imagine some of the backlash will be against him and calling him a snitch and, and touts out as they would say up there. But <laughs> like what what I want to know is there anyone in the GA you know who's reaching out to Conor McCann and saying you know what have you heard? Like are they asking him? Like you know, are they interested in him saying this and are they going to investigate? And you know are you talking about Donegal or, or like whoever McCann's talking about it might be Donegal like. Are the GA keen to find this out and try and stop it? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, because there are supposed to be sanctions if it happens. Again, I have to repeat myself. I wouldn't be overly critical of them if they're training once on a Tuesday, which is what they're supposed to be doing, and the clubs get all the rest of the week, the weekends and all that. No big. That's no big deal to me. It's just, I suppose, it's not It's not supposed to be allowed. So I don't know. Maybe it's a touts out Ulster thing, Conan. You can explain <laughs> that maybe a bit more, <laughs> a bit more to me. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be a grass. I actually tweeted about this this morning and people keep sending me IRA touts out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a classic. Uh, Paul Clark, lads, he's walked. He's out the door. So Paul Clark has been around the Dublin scene for a long time. He was in with Pillar Caffrey. And he was in, I'm fairly sure, the last two years under Jim Gavin, or maybe the last three years. He's a coach, and he that's his, that's his, uh, that's his um, qualification, maybe not qualifications, that's what he does. And the Irish Independent has this. Um, apparently, Clark wasn't spending as much time doing the coaching as he was under Jim Gavin. So, like, I mean, you wonder why Desi kept him on in a reduced role. I don't know, Connor. Like, I mean, he's obviously not happy um, you know, a little bit like uh, down in Kerry. What's your your man's name down in Kerry? Who? Donny Buckley. Yeah, Donny Buckley. Sorry. Yeah, similar to that. Even though Peter Keane brought him in, um, but Desi Farrell didn't bring Paul Clark in. He kind of kept him on, maybe for a bit of continuity or whatever. But he's he's out of there now. Well, I couldn't help raise an eyebrow just that at the kind of the timing of it, Wooly, and just based on the last conversation you're just having did, did Paul Clark just decide now that he wasn't doing much hands-on coaching like like when when would he have been doing this hands-on coaching considering that Dublin haven't meant to be training for the last I don't know how many months or was it just he had a lot of time to think during lockdown or when Dublin weren't training he decided to walk away I don't know yeah uh, that's, that's a very good point uh, get, send me what give me one coach that is doing a lot of on, uh, hands-on coaching at the moment um, um, somebody in Donegal Jack McCaffrey as well <laughs> Stephen Rochford <laughs> <laughs> well that's it yeah you're you're right Jack McCaffrey kind of pulling out during lockdown you know it's a weird one isn't it yeah it's like you had another two months to decide there Jack relax like you know see how you feel in September 14th when everybody's going back training yeah so the timing is weird Connor's definitely right on that the timing's weird with Paul Clark it's not a year where you would be you know it's it's unu- it's definitely unusual isn't it it seems it seems like it seems like something that was going to happen anyway to me. I like as, as in like I don't know the ins and outs of it, but like if he's deciding it now at a stage where Dublin, if, well, even if they are doing any limited training that they're not supposed to be, but that he's decided like he probably might have seen from a long way off that like the, the relationship between himself and Desi Farrell wasn't going to be the same as it was with Jim Gavin, which is fine. Just like there doesn't have to be any animosity there. Sometimes it just. Sometimes it just works out that way. But I, I, again, it just it struck me as odd timing that he decided to do it in the middle of the summer when they haven't meant to be, you know, training together for the last I don't know how many months. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, the GA's national match officials manager, Donald Smith, he's a former Mead 
um, player. He says that the introduction of the water breaks has been a success from a refereeing uh, perspective. And his quote, sorry, says it's been a plus for us because it's taken away the mere ishkas from the field. We don't have that conflict of people running onto the field nearly every stoppage. There is a limit of the people who can be on the pitch enclosure and that has helped refereeing too. And I don't know, I'm starting to turn around. I know people are saying that this breaks momentum, but sure, it's actually less time than a lot of the injuries and the physio coming on and doing it. Like, I mean, I, and I do take the point, the mere ishka is just running in and running out like lunatics every time there's a break in play. That can cause different kind of, I don't know, number one, it's an eyesore and it can cause little stoppages as some of them, as we know in Gaelic football, as they drag their arses, as uh, as Eamon Fitzmaurice said about Tony McEntee, drags their arses back, blocking up uh, parts of the pitch for quick kickouts, uh, Conan. And there's often injured players as well who are doing the weird risky role that day and, you know, can't help themselves but get involved sometimes or, you know, yeah. have a bit of back and forward or say something when they're going in. And, like, yeah, the, the only thing that I actually don't like about the water bricks is... Uh, uh, and sometimes it's going over the allocated minute that they're given. It's just there's a bit of over coaching going on. It's like another opportunity yeah. for coaches to come down and start giving their say again and huddle everybody but, up. And yeah, start but in, in in the televised games I've seen now, I haven't seen any of the minutes being dogged too much. You know, it, it looks to be pretty strict in those games. Yeah, well, there, there you go. I'm watching. I was watching an underage game last night, and then you could just hear like this team talk that's going on during a water break, and it's like, oh, we're in the yeah. middle of the half. Let it go, like you know. Yeah, what happens, Connor, if you're gasping for water after ten minutes? Can a Marish could throw you in your own bottle at that stage? It just has to be at fifteen minutes. No, it has to be because I was thinking about that this very weekend, Willie. Like the you, you you know on Saturday and Sunday, it was absolutely roasting. We were playing the game on Saturday, for example. Now I didn't need it, but I was thinking that before the game, I was like, what if I need to drink water after? Because there was no breeze. It was like twenty five degrees. But you yeah. just have to. You just have to. You just have to wait. It hasn't been a big issue so far. Like I, I, I found it absolutely fine. The, the only thing I'll say, but this is completely on me, is that like when you're used to returning to a pit, you're not used to a water break. So I automatically get into position that I would at the start of a half, at the start of a game or at the start of a half, whereas the game is resuming at a kickoff. So like right. that, that takes a bit of get. Like I've been caught out a couple of times just because, you know, you expect the ball to be thrown in. And then all of a sudden your man is making a sprint for a kick out and he's like, oh, heck, I forgot about that. But that's just on that's I, I, we're about four or five games into water break. So like it's just just takes a bit of getting used to. But in, in, our, in my instances, anyway, the ref doesn't let you dog it. Do you know, as in you're at the side of the pitch. It's not as if they have to call you from the dress room. You're literally 30 yards away. So they're timing it. They have a minute on and they're they're blowing the whistle at the end of it. And there's been no there's been no resistance to it so, so far. Everybody just has their drink. I do agree with Conan in that, like, the manager probably thinks that they have to do some coaching, or sometimes they don't. But, like, for, for my experience, it's it's been fine so far and less, less kind of uh, impactful on a game that I might have thought before they were introduced, to be honest. Yeah, that's not that's interesting that it, it resumes from a kick out or from wherever the referee decided. Presume it's when a ball goes out to play and it is a kick out. So that's it. Your natural thing, Conan, is to go back into your position where you, players just simply have to be thinking when it's over is where's my man rather yeah. than let's get back to my position. And it is, it's hard to know that, like, yeah, because Connor says you're used to it being in the middle, but like sometimes I've seen uh, somebody go down injured and it's going on a bit long, so the ref will then call a water break. It's a sensible thing to do at that, at that stage, but right. so then you don't know where in the pitch the ball is about to be a free kick from or whatever, like, you know, so it does take a bit of switching on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So good news for Derry, Conan, is Shane McGuigan is practising on his right foot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, like, I always, like, it's funny when, 
when players like this, the penny drops. Like I, I was 22, I think, when the penny dropped. When I went into the forwards, or 23, and realised like Shane McGuigan's been a corner forward pretty much or a forward all his life. He, sh- the penny should have dropped a long time ago for him. And like I know his left is absolutely sensational, and he, he probably gets away with it. But at the very top level, he's given Gavin Devlin, who's the slot nail new manager. I didn't actually realise that. Um, he's with them and. Uh, Shane McGuigan says, over lockdown, you have ample time in your hands. I know I was maybe a bit one-dimensional off my left foot. It can only take me so far. So I've tried to bring this into my game. I'm happy with the two points. So he scored two points off his right in the last uh, league game. He says, before the lockdown, Gavin Devlin has been with me 15 minutes before every training, making me use my right foot. Then any chance I get during training sessions, I'll use it. Isn't it weird that a, a forward, like, like, I mean, Christ almighty, if I was to take over under 10s tomorrow, the very, very first thing, I would talk to him about would be to kick with both feet. How is this not being coached? Like, honest <laughs> to God, like it's, it's so bizarre that a player would reach the level he has and, and in this day and age and have no right foot and need Gavin Devlin to come in to encourage him. Yeah. So like Paul, Paul Bradley's actually the manager. Gavin Devlin's on helping out Paul Bradley. He's a Stockney right. legend who would be very balanced off both feet as well. So I'd say like he's probably been, been in his ear too. He was a lovely kicker of the ball. Like he played a bit with Derry, but um, it is strange. I, I think it's probably just, you know, when you see big men coming through on the rage and like, you know, it's very easy for them to just run over the top of people and then they struggle a little bit because you can't do that at senior level. When you're Shane McGuigan growing up and you're winning, like you're, you're winning all, all these titles with some Pats and Slock Neil, like, you know, it's just, it's very easy for him. Like, it just keeps doing what he's doing and now he has to start learning. I remember in 2003 when Paddy Bradley ripped Tyrone apart. They drew in the first round of the Ulster Championship. He scored 1-6. And Joe Brawley, I'll never forgive Joe Brawley afterwards. He was just talking about how left-footed he was and everybody in the country knows that and it's criminal for Tyrone to let that happen. <laughs> and then Bradley wasn't nearly as effective as the next day. like you know, And he had to start really practising off his right then as well. But um, it, it, it occurs well that maybe Shane McGuigan's on the same path as Paddy. Yeah, it definitely does. Jeez, Brawley has got some neck when he had only had a left foot himself, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, Christ. even like so we were watching those old games when he caught on to his right foot, he was still looking to shoot of his left. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another thing as well. And do you remember we watched the 1997 Ulster final? Mm. Um, and Brawley had a bit of a nightmare that day. He was the Cavan wing back went back on him, and he, you know, he he kept him unbelievably quiet. Brawley got an All Star that year. Can you believe that he got an All Star in 1997 for an Ulster quarter? final and an Ulster semi-final and then a bottle job in the final is that not the is that not the handiest All-Star anybody has ever gotten <laughs> there were like there there were some strange ones if you go back in the 90s and 80s there were a few I think the league must have been weighted way more heavily it was that, it was league, it was yeah, weighted yeah. Had to be. that was over the winter so I can only assume that Brawley lit it up in the league and because he definitely didn't do anything that day oh but actually you're right you're right I'm going to have to take this back because Derry would have won the league that year Derry were dominating the league that year and I think that's why they were favourites for the All-Ireland so look I'm taking that back Joe maybe, <laughs> you, maybe he shot the lights out when no one else cared in the league right so I'm still <laughs> going to put the boot in a little bit just on the shame of getting left and I can remember when the penny dropped to me and I'm sure I've said this on the show before and I didn't know where I was going with my left and I had some terrible technique. I looked terribly awkward. I even used to throw the ball from my right hand across onto my left um, foot and it just looked so awkward. I was pulling my left foot across my body and I was just all over the place. And just one day... I just stopped myself uh, before training was kicking around and went, right, it was like this light bulb moment. I says, what technique do you do? I never actually thought about this because it just seems natural off your right foot. What do you do to kick off your right foot? And I slowed down the technique. I dropped the ball down onto my foot and I whipped around it on my right foot. Kicked the score, whatever. And then I turned around and says, right, 
do this really, really slowly and do the exact same thing off your left. And then I did it and I just dropped the ball down off my left. It feels really unnatural and swung around it. Didn't have a great contact and then just repeated and repeated and repeated using my technique off my right, the very same on my left. And within the space of, I don't know, like one season, even though my Colin Brown discouraged me from using my left, which is incredible um, in training. And I remember I scored two points in the championship against Offaly in Croke Park in the first half against uh, Offaly with my left. And after both scores, I waved over at Brown because he had banned me off, off kicking with my left. In, uh, <laughs> it's fair to say me and Brown didn't get on too well, but I was pissed off. Like I'm here trying to do the right thing, practicing off my left foot in training. And because some are going, going you know, away and, and missing, I was told not to do it. I should have been encouraged to do that. You know what I mean? But that's mm. the only advice I have. If you're practicing off your left, sit down, well, don't sit down, stand up, actually analyze the technique from your right and just move the, the whole thing across to your left and do the exact same thing. Have you both tried to improve your left feet or can you not teach an old dog new tricks at this that, stage? That's really interesting because I, I'm completely different. I think my left is decent, but it's because it's not the same as my right. <laughs> the, te the technique, I don't know what that says about my right foot, but the technique is just a bit more of a pendulum, like the leg's straight and it feels cleaner, whereas I feel like I've got too much control of my right and I'm doing, I'm trying different things every time I kick the ball, but then maybe that's why you're a county player and I, I never was. <laughs> I ended up, funnily enough, on my bad side with my left being more accurate on that side than my right because yeah. I don't know I don't know why I wasn't trying to put my boot through it I always seem to get a nice kind of uh, I don't know a softer kind of contact um, on it but anyways look at your, uh, your range was probably shorter Willie was it? What? Your, your range was shorter you wouldn't go for a point with your left from 40 yards whereas you might go with your right because you didn't trust to kick it that far maybe would that be yeah. why you Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it, yeah. Whatever way my left foot wasn't... Maybe I was trying to do too much kind of spin on my right, where I was being more... Uh, maybe I should have then brought my technique on my left and brought it back over onto my, <laughs> back over onto my right. <laughs> the, uh, right, there's some uh, live stream scamming, lads. I don't know if you've seen this. It's happening a lot down in, in Cork, so I just wanted to give that a shout-out to anybody listening, not to be fooled. So not Nacree, um uh, club officials said on their Twitter account that one of their matches was targeted by scammers. They, they said on Twitter, it seems that it seems to be a thing at the moment that certain scumbags, they're not holding back, are claiming to, to live stream GA matches, including our own. Do not give these people your credit card details. And this is an interesting thing that for especially for people of an older generation that wouldn't have younger uh, family members there to help them out because these things are daunting for people that from an older um, generation and the minute they see live stream GA match I presume they're just going to click on a con and you know so it, it's actually very very cynical if these scumbags as Knock McCree have called them which, and they're right um, Aerobe and Cork have said the same thing we've been informed of a scam by fraudsters on YouTube um, trying to scam people out of their credit card details so listen anybody listening if you're not sure don't be clicking on it like I mean or else get somebody, get a family member, a younger family member to help you out. I don't really know what else to say other than that, Connor. Just tell them, like, I was thinking that, Willie, as well, is that, that, like, you know, you make a good point there about, you know, people who mightn't be used to kind of accessing live streams and stuff, because you could say to them, well, only trust the, it's either going to come, say in Cork, for example, it's either going to come for the county board, I think the Irish examiner are streaming games, or that the clubs themselves, you know, might be doing something on Facebook Live. So I suppose that the first thing to do is not to trust anyone outside of outside of those people. But it's it's really uh, it's really it's just bad form, isn't it? It's just terrible to hear that people are trying to make a quick buck out of that because they know that to be honest, they know that the appetite is there. Like as in, 
I think every county board has got, you know, their their uh, like something like Mayo GA TV have here. And then like um you also have like I'd say nearly every club, every every club is trying to stream you know, some games to a certain degree as well. So, you know, people will be going looking for that. And it's 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 awful to think that there's that, that there's people willing to scam, you know, proper GA people out of their money by by duping them like that. But but that's the, I, I suppose the only thing you can say is just to rely on on trustworthy sources. And if you're not sure, you know, as you said, just get a family member to to, to help you out and, and make sure to set it up right. Yeah, exactly. Big shout out to Zach too. He who's become the second um second in a second ever for the second highest AFL appearances for Irish players, um, he's on 198. He's just gone ahead of Ty Canelli, who must have been on 197. Um, I've done the maths there. Jim Steins is still way out on his own on 246. Apparently, Zach would have to play for three more seasons to pass out Jim Steins. So I can't see how. Um, well, maybe. I know this is his last year with Geelong, but they're keen to keep him on. But again, Zach Tuhi, a complete machine, a physical freak, a specimen, never got injured until last year and just racked up, what was it, 174, 178 consecutive appearances, just completely un unreal. And when he hits 200 appearances, only 5% of all AFL, AFL players ever reach 200 appearances. <laughs> like you put it into that context, it's just an incredible achievement from Zach. Um, fella that I've known since he was only a young fella in Port Leash, and everyone in Port Leash is very proud of what he's done out there and in the top five in the five percent of players in the AFL to reach 200 caps um, congratulations to him um, one final one before uh, we have a look ahead to the games at the weekend uh, Parik O'Hora's interview last weekend so this was a classic and I didn't see this for Monday's show so he's speaking to Mike Finnerty um, Ballina hammered Clare Morris by 10 points and like I mean Ballina are the big traditional club in Mayo like I mean I have a very bad experience of Ballina losing <laughs> to them in an all-earned final by a point um, so like I mean I'd always keep an eye out even though it, it might hurt me to see how Ballina are doing so they've slipped off the radar completely they haven't been in a final since 07 they won it in 07 obviously won that all-earned club in 05 from the 04 season and they're coming back as Connor pointed out last weekend they're coming back with with uh, a good uh, younger team so they've obviously gone back to the drawing board and on their way back so he was interviewed by Mike Finnerty after the game and he says uh the usual, Mike Finnerty questioned Parik O'Hora was, you know, you've got not more next or whatever. And O'Hora says, we'll go out and beat them in two weeks. And then there was an awkward silence um, as Finnerty couldn't believe what he's just heard. And he says, I love it. Any particular reason? No, says uh, Parik O'Hora. And Finnerty goes, just because it's the way Stephen Knights are looking at this championship, it doesn't matter who, where, is that the mindset? And O'Hora says, just because we'll beat anyone. Uh, or just because we'll beat anybody we come out against this year simple as so like I mean a man after my own heart Connor like I mean not afraid to put his neck on the line I actually think speaking like that gives you confidence like I mean if, you know like, I don't think there should be anything feared from saying we'll go out and beat them next year in some way in my mind that would make me more confident like I put my neck on the line here we have to do it now like it completely depends on the individual Willie I love it like you know like Anyone who saw uh, Porik O'Hara on Ultimate Hell Week um, earlier on this year knows that he's a, he's a fairly straight talker. But like he's the type of guy in the ward and yourself. Like a lot of people have said, oh, you know, not more will be pinning this to the. They obviously can't pin it to the dressing room walls. So maybe the wall of the stand before their game. But like Porik O'Hara will love that. He'll love like you know people. Yeah. 
you know, might be worried about any additional pressure. He'll he'll absolutely relish it. That's that's why he was saying what he was saying. You know, it's just a pity. Like they're um, so Balnav had a great start. Um, Knockmore have also had a great start. So they're both through. They're both through on four points. So the game that they're playing in a couple of weeks' time, while you know there's bragging rights at stake because you know they're only a few miles away from each other. It's a big rivalry, Balnav Knockmore, especially in the the mid to late nineties. I think the two of them made um, the two of them reached all Ireland club finals at the time. But, uh, you, you know, the both of them are going to be through to the quarterfinals anyway, and they'll do very well, the two of them, to reach um, to reach the final, given the other teams, you know, Westport, Castlebar, whoever comes out of that group, Rafey, uh, Ballantubber and Balladreamer in the draw as well. So they'll do well to meet in the final. It's just a pity that, um, it's just a pity that, uh, that there's not more at stake for this game. But, uh, but yeah, I loved uh, I, I, I loved the comment, Willie, no more than yourself. But it's just, you mentioned there Balana being kind of the kingpins or they've always had a kind of a, a kind of an attitude, a, a kind of cockiness and arrogance. And they probably justified it, but they haven't lost it since, let's say, you know, <laughs> right. they haven't been in the final in that long, but they haven't lost it. Just a quick story. Like we, we played them a couple of years ago in the league and the game was at like 12 o'clock on a Sunday morning. So by, we arrived at 11 o'clock. Balana had taken over our dressing room. Uh, they laid out all the jerseys in the dress room and they took out, you know, um, you know, how pe- people get thick about if somebody takes the, the, the goal closer to, you know, the dress room to warm up because that's the yeah. home team. So they'd taken that as well. So we had to throw them out of our dress room and then they responded by playing this big, loud music from their own dress room just before the game. First time I've ever heard it from an opposition dress room. But to be fair to them, they backed it up and they bet us and they've gone on to they've gone on to loads since. So they've loads to. They've loads about them at the moment to back up that kind of attitude and that kind of arrogance that they've that they've uh, traditionally had. Um, and listen, like the way they're going as well, it's not just Park O'Hara that's talking about them like that. They could go a long way. They could even win it. So, um, but yeah, no, like I, 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 I think it's it's brilliant and really refreshing to hear somebody, um, somebody come out and talk like that. Even though it was funny to see how awkward Mike Finnerty was with the silence afterwards. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll uh, we'll we'll talk to Parik O'Hara definitely um, over the course of the club season. Um, right, we'll be back and we'll have a look ahead to the games at the weekend. I've had fellas follow me, and not just Cork lads, you know what I mean? Mm. It happens, it happens, and it does happen, but I'll tell you one thing, it's a lonely spot, and the best thing you can do is keep moving, and I thought Connolly looked to be trying to do that the last time. The camera show doesn't look great, yeah, there was, um, maybe if they could say it was theatrical or whatever, but the reality is that there was contact, and um, I wasn't trying to win a penalty, I was trying to go out and win the ball. You know, actually, it's funny, your man Conan, what's his name on on your programme, like, I, I was wondering if he had the same match as me. He was kind of making out Terry, but unlucky to lose. Like, yeah. So the games at the weekend, lads, on TV on Friday night. Friday night always has a nice football game on, lads, doesn't it? Well, the last couple of weeks it had that hurling game on the week before. This weekend it's Kilku versus Mayo Bridge. Um, Kilku obviously in the same boat as Ballyboden, where Anthony Rainbow had said that you know the the lockdown came at a great time for them to get over the the disappointment of the Ireland semi final. Kilku obviously have to get over losing an All Ireland final after extra time, wasn't it? It was a course after extra time. Um, in a really nail-biting game. So that would have been heartbreaking for them. Even though, in a weird way, I talked about Balanagh, us losing to Balanagh in 04, 05. 
that's heartbreaking for me because we didn't perform on the day. At least Kilku know they went up against three in a row All-Ireland champions and rattled them. I think it'll be easier for Kilku mentally to get over that, you know, than Port Leash in 05 when you just have that terrible regret of not performing on the on the day, you know, like I mean, I think that's definitely a thing. Mayo Bridge are interesting. When I, I remember when I when I was playing, obviously during the Naughties, Mayo Bridge were the big team in in down. They won five in a row. And they won eight in ten years. It's, you'd call it the Benny Coulter era. <laughs> so okay. it's no surprise. It's no surprise um, that at all. Like I mean, Kier McKeever is their manager now. I think Kier McKeever, maybe a little bit like Gavin Devlin, was in with them one year, helping out, and then kind of got promoted up a little bit the following year. So interesting to see how that game pans out, Conan. Yeah, and and McKeever also has uh, Dennis Hollywood, and who would have coached the Varma. So I think they've got a, a pretty good setup going there, and like a lot of exciting noises coming out of Mayo Bridge. We all know about Kilku, and like I think. I think lockdown has really suited them because even just from a, a physical point of view, having to go from an all-in final straight into a league, straight into a championship, and you know just playing all year round, like this is great for them. But just from a Mayo Bridge point of view, like Corey Quinn is one of the most exciting players in down football. Like he came off the bench against Cork just before lockdown, scored one two, sort of started him the next week against Longford, he scored one two. You know, and now he's like leading the line for them, and they have uh, Shane Annett, who's playing midfield from him. He's now playing with Down. Just had a lot of good young players coming through. Adam Crimmins was playing full forward for the Down Miners last year, and he's apparently lighting it up. So there's a lot of good talk around there. I know the Kilku boys are very like anxious about this game, but you know, if you are going to an Ireland final, draw with Corathin, you know, you're probably going to be expected to put Mayo Bridge away here. I think it's it's interesting with teams that are very successful, like Ballina. Remember, Port Leash were massively successful in the 70s and 80s and then went the whole 90s without winning one. But during the 90s, maybe focused on underage and then started to dominate after a 10-year break. Mayo Bridge rebuilding as well. It only takes until your senior team starts falling apart before maybe you have a committee meeting, Connor, and you go, here, shit, what about those underage teams? <laughs> what about those underage teams? Like, it's no coincidence that teams end up having to rebuild instead of maybe trying to keep the, the you know, the, the wheel moving all the time. Yeah, it's a big kick up there. It's like a lot of club, probably like it, probably for Ballinad because of the size of the town. I would say the same for Port Leash as well, that you're just, uh, you know, we'll get through the players. It'll be fine. But like it, it's it's just then other teams with better kind of coaching systems and better structures come in ahead of you. And then it makes you realize that, wow, geez, you know, we have to do the exact same thing, even though our playing playing numbers are going to be going to be a bit bigger than that. But I suppose the the one thing you can say is I, you're, you'd be fairly confident, uh, Wooly, no more than I would be for the bigger clubs in, in Mayo, for example, that when they do get their act together because of the size of the you know playing numbers that they have available to them, that they're going to be back on top as, as well at some stage. Yeah, yeah, it's a numbers game, definitely. On Sunday then on TG Cahar is um, Kilruan McDonough's versus Lockmore Casalini. Lockmore, obviously, um, is the McGrath Brothers uh, club and they won it in 13, then lost the final in 14, but haven't been back in the final since, which is a strange one. Um, because obviously, well, the age profile of the McGraths would make you think that they'd be around, you know, for a few more years or for a, a, until now, at least, or a few more years after now. Kilruan haven't won it since 85. They won the All-Ireland Club that season, um, interestingly enough. So that's the first game on TG Cahar. I'm not even going to ask either of the two of you anything on that unless you've done a little bit of looking in. Um, and you, just be a horror on you and just say no. <laughs> and that's it Oliver Plunkett's versus Rahini is the is the deferred game this is an interesting one because uh, Oliver Plunkett can go down if they lose it Rahini can qualify if they win it am I right in saying that unless there's a very big surprise 
in the other game where Castle not be Kilmacook Croaks, which probably won't happen, can it? Well, like there's there's no relegation actually, so I was surprised that they're they're showing oh, yeah. this game because like you know Plunkett's wouldn't be one of the the big hitters. I actually thought they they would show the Kilmacud Crooks against Castlenock. Just you know, obviously Castlenock got to the final a couple of years ago, and they they need to win to go through. Rahini obviously had that shock win against them last week, so um, I don't know. It's an interesting interesting decision, but it will be good to see Rahini. Obviously, like everyone knows about Howard and Fenton, and like uh, Sean Bugler's is playing against Prunk or playing for Prunkets and he scored one four against Crook. So there will be a bit of uh a, a bit of eye candy on you, I suppose. But um yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe could have picked a better game, not the rain on the parade. Not to mention the 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 best eye candy of them all, Bernard Brogan. Like give me a break here, Conan. You're talking about eye candy and you're not talking about Bernard Brogan. This is outrageous. So they played each other in last year's championship. Rahini won two seventeen to two ten. Um uh, Brian Fenton kicked six from play. And you're right, Conan, um like just seeing Brian Howard and Brian Fenton play for someone that's not Dublin <laughs> and and guaranteed to win and like just seeing how Brian Fenton, you know, how his role changes with his club and does he try to take on more responsibility? Six from play is sensational um, last year, Connor from midfield. It's just interesting. I think Howard plays centre-back. Fenton obviously plays midfield for Rahini. Um, it's just interesting to see how... They, you know the way with Dublin, they all have a role to play and there's no huge kind of, you know, if you try to be a prima donna or a big shot, mm. you know, you, you're not doing your job. Whereas with your club, you have that little bit more freedom. It would just be interesting to see how to take that freedom, you know, and use it. Yeah, and like you, you say there about like playing, you know, being a prima donna, not being a prima donna for Dublin, and and like Brian Fenton kicking six from play would suggest that he might be for Rahini, but Brian Fenton could kick six from play for playing for Dublin as well. He's that good. Yeah. Like, I was just thinking, I was about to because I haven't seen Rahini. Obviously, I was just about to ask where Brian or where Brian Howard plays because I was just like, is there would there be a better midfield partnership in the country than? Um, at club level, then Fenton and Howard playing together. I'm I, I'm not sure, but uh, but it's I just would say no. <laughs> I, I I I wouldn't think so. Wouldn't it? But judging from judging from the the reports I've seen, they're like they're they're really getting their act together. Like you you think that those two on their own, you know, would nearly be enough to kind of backbone a backbone a title t- challenge. But they've obviously got plenty enough around them too, and they're they're starting to kind of. Uh, hit the height. So um it, although there's not Anton at stake or not really Anton at stake in terms of uh, plunkets on um, on Sunday. It's it's interesting to watch that you know just 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 the the prospect of watching Fenton and, and Howard at club level alone is enough for for me to want to tune in anyway. Yeah, exactly. I don't think RT have any game. At least they haven't advertised any game yet on Saturday. Usually they show a game on Saturday night. So their games on TG Car. Loads of loads of club action. So check your the the relevant county board um, streaming um, advertisements because there's Kilkenny Hurling Championship, Tip Hurling Championship, Carlo Hurling, Dublin Football, Donegal Football, Roscommon Football, Galway Football, Armagh Football, Longford Football, loads of club action. So whatever county you want to watch, go onto the county board website and see what one they're streaming. And that's it from us, lads. We don't have any more to say. Um, we're going to leave it there. We'll be back on Monday as usual um, with a review of the weekend. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today. Because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.